I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs. And an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I'm Suman, your host for today. All of us have settled into a new normal at work, be it the hybrid model or the flexible model or whatever may be. On our at a personal level, our hand hygiene method and our masking etiquette. But only a year ago, the situation. was really grim our city had turned into ghost town and i'm sure each one of us had some stories of loss some story of a struggle for a hospital bed or an oxygen cylinder we may have moved on from there but it has become important to take stock of what happened at that time the world health organization has released a report that details the devastation caused by the pandemic worldwide for india it estimates 47 lakh exists it estimates on a worldwide 141 lakh exists the government now has flat out rejected this number generating a lot of controversy so to unpack this report to understand how the system works and to understand what excess deaths mean and how they are estimated i have with me my colleague meher who has studied this topic in great detail in the last few days welcome meher welcome to the episode thank you suman glad to be here can you just give us a quick summary of the whole uh, report and the back and forth that has gone by sure so very quickly we should understand a few high level numbers one is that the government of india maintains an official count of how many people in india died of covid that number as of the end of uh, calendar 2021 stood at a little less than 5 lakh meaning the government maintains that about 5 lakh people died in india of covid during 2020 and 2021 taken together remember this number should be looked at in context of total number of deaths in india that that happened for various reasons that number in a non covid year just the previous year 2019 was about 80 lakh deaths so out of about 135 100 crore 40 crore indians about 80 lakh indians die in an average year yeah. and the government says that in 2020 and 2021 taken together 5 lakh people died of covid and obviously all the other processes other reasons for death also kind of hold so the 5 lakh is just the covid deaths not the total death number then the second part of it the equation is uh, obviously the world health organization has come out with a report in that report they have calculated 149 lakh estimated excess deaths worldwide of which they estimate 47 lakh to have occurred in india itself so india makes up for about 30% of the excess death estimate remember this is a number that is uh, the result of a modeling statistical exercise it's not an actual number whereas government of india's 5 lakhs is a number that have that is based on the data that the government has obtained from its own sources so that is kind of the context we are looking at that on an in an average year 80 lakh indians die 5 lakh died of covid in the last 2 years and the who estimates for the same period 47 lakh indians died so who's estimate is 9 times what the government of india officially recognizes as covid deaths in india 
And the government has been arguing that these estimates that the WHO has come out with are wrong for a variety of reasons. And we'll talk about that, but prima facie, the government's reasoning doesn't fully stand to scrutiny. Uh, that's a lot of numbers. Uh, before we get into the details, why do we need to study this? Or why do we even need to get close to the actual numbers? I understand that we need it for statistical reasons, etc. But what could be other reasons that we need to get to these numbers? Can't we just move on from there? Good question, Suman. I think a lot of us uh, who have suffered through the pandemic, whether it's through the loss of a family member or whether it's through a severe health crisis in the family or, or even the overall despondency at the impact of the pandemic on the country, it may be kind of easy to think that we should move on. We should just let this be and get ourselves vaccinated and go back to our normal lives. But the things we should remember is from an individual perspective, if someone has lost a family member to COVID and that death has not been recognized, that's not sufficient closure for that family. That's not minimum dignity to the disease that we owe as a society. When a person passes, it's uh, the minimum dignity that a society can give them is to recognize that they died of a particular cause and commit ourselves um, as policymakers, as health providers, as members of society that are interested in good outcomes, committing ourselves to uh, trying to improve the systems that can put potentially prevent that particular reason. So for example, if a person passed of COVID in India or any other reason, we could commit ourselves to acknowledging that death and that would be the start of a process to figure out better ways of vaccination, better uh, provision of healthcare and so on and so forth. So that's one, the, the closure for individual families depends on whether their grief is officially recognized. From a policy perspective, uh, there are two aspects. I mean, one is that governing any country requires good data. We require good data on health outcomes, on population, on education, jobs, everything that both private and government sources are make available. And without such data, it's hard to design good policy. So in this case, again, one aspect of this is just collecting the data on exactly what happened in the COVID wave, how many people were affected, how many died. It's important to design various policies. One example of it being the government's offering compensation to COVID victims. Currently, it stands at about 50,000 rupees per uh, person that died. But in order for this compensation to reach everyone, their uh, the sad uh, outcomes in their family need to be recognized so that the next of kin can Clear. take benefit of that compensation. And then the third part, and very quickly, is that we need to hold our governments accountable. COVID pandemic has been a really difficult time for everybody, but we need to go to our local governments, our state governments, and our union government and say, please give us the accurate, please make sure that we have the accurate numbers or as best as we can of actual deaths. And with that kind of accounting, proper accounting, we can ensure accountability of the government. We can demand answers on how the pandemic was handled, whether it's regarding the lockdown or the vaccination programs or all the other different policies that the government implemented during this time. Thanks, Neil. Now that we have established why we need some kind of closure on exact numbers of uh, people died, we need to go a little back into the system and how it works. Since we're talking about COVID deaths, before we go into actual COVID deaths, can we just get an overview about how does India determine actual deaths in a year? What is the system in place? And is there something else that can be done about it? 
Sure. So I think um, I'll, I'll make this answer really short. So the way it, uh, the system works in India is state governments appoint local government bodies such as panchayats, uh, municipal corporations or other local government bodies as appropriate based on the size of the uh, settlement. The government appoints this local government body that uh, maintains a record of deaths that occurred in in their within their geographic region. So for example, in a big city like Mumbai or Bangalore, there are digital records that are maintained by the local municipal corporation. And when a death occurs, for example, for a cremation or a burial to take place, uh, there are rules that the hospital has to issue a document that certifies the death and cause of death. And only upon a hospital certificate does the crematorium perform the last rites. And then based on the crematorium issued document, or the family can obtain a death certificate from the municipal corporation. This is true for many large cities, but in rural areas, these records are often not computerized. There's a death register maintained at a birth and death register, actually maintained at the local government body level. And families can take advantage of uh, such facilities by going to the government office and registering birth and death events. Then collated and combined at the state level and then eventually to the national level. And that system, the whole system taken together is called a civil registration system that uh, releases this data once a year based on based on all this aggregation. So that's kind of the one part. The important thing to remember is that not all deaths are registered. There are a variety of reasons why deaths may not be registered and we, we don't need to uh, go into that today. The second part of it, though, is that because not all deaths are registered and the government needs a reasonable estimate of what the actual death number was, which can be larger than the number of registered deaths, India also does a separate exercise called sample registration. So in this, uh, known as the SRS, it's a large-scale survey that's ongoing to determine uh, or estimate the total number of births and deaths in the country. So this is based on a survey, based on the survey and different households are queried about birth and death events within that household. And based on a sufficiently large sample, an estimated number of deaths for any given period of time is calculated. So this being a statistical exercise, there is a, you know, based on the sampling, we get a kind of a result. And then the SRS number, uh, to the extent that registration is uh, not of all deaths, the SRS number ends up being larger than the CRS number. But this has improved dramatically in recent years. For example, in 2012, only 69% of deaths were estimated to have been registered. And by 2019, it was 92%. So we are now, these numbers are converging, which indicates that a greater proportion of deaths are now registered. Okay, so there is a recognition that uh, there is a gap between actual and uh, the registered numbers, which is great. And also... We have made some progress in uh, moving towards the actual numbers as such. Right? So that's, that's one good thing about the whole thing. Uh, going to actual numbers, going to the COVID deaths in 2020 and 21, what are official numbers for COVID deaths in 2020 and 21? And what are the World Health Organization estimates? So right. how much do uh they vary? Right. So the official death numbers, the government of India periodically releases the number of COVID deaths. Uh, I think there was a daily bulletin or a daily update that was provided. But over the two years, 2020 and 2021, the official number was less than 5 lakh taken together. The WHO estimates that same number to be 47.4 lakhs, uh, which is a little over nine times the government's estimate. So what are then the estimates of actual deaths in 2020? So we don't have that yet. So because the sample registration system, the SRS survey exercise hasn't been completed, 
So we don't know that. But uh, just last week, the government claimed that up from 92% in 2019, 99.9% deaths were registered in 2020, which How seems a rather, rather difficult claim. Yeah, considering in the pandemic, so all systems may not have been working, you know, to the full and people may exactly. not have it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many excess deaths does the World Health Organization estimate for 2020? Right. So I think it's important. It's a good question. It's important to remember that the government's estimate of 5 lakh COVID deaths is actual deaths that the government has measured. Whereas the WHO's number of 47.4 lakhs is not COVID deaths necessarily. It's just excess deaths, meaning there is a natural trend for number of deaths in a country for a given year. In an especially large country like India, that number tends to be relatively steady year over year. We are in the range of about 80 to 83 lakh deaths a year estimated for about for 2020. And what the WHO did is based on that baseline trend of what the deaths were expected to be, they kind of modeled, uh, they did statistical modeling and calculated how many more people died in 2020 because it was an unusual year with a COVID pandemic. And they did that, I mean, and we can go into the details of the calculation later, but their estimate of excess deaths for 2020 was 8.3 lakhs. In other words, if 2020 were a non-pandemic year, we would have experienced about 80 lakh deaths in the year. That's what India would have had. But the WHO estimates an additional 8.3 lakhs on top of the 80 lakhs that, that actually would have occurred irrespective of COVID. So excess deaths is, is generally the difference between actual deaths and the expected deaths. Is that right? Is that a good exactly, summary? Of- exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so then how did the government arrive at this less than 5 lakh number? Uh, that's a very straightforward exercise for a COVID death to be registered in the government's records as a COVID death. There needs to be either a doctor's certificate that certifies COVID as the cause of death. Or the doctors will presumably issue this based on various symptoms or tests that they carry out. And uh, even in the absence of that, if a person died and uh, there is a medical report, uh, either RT-PCR test or antigen test, or a CT scan report that uh, shows lung infection matching COVID symptoms. If any of those documents is produced and those documents precede the death uh, by a few days, I think it's within a month a month prior to death, then the government also acknowledges that this would be a COVID death. So all taken together, the, it appears that the 5 lakh number is based on uh, solid uh, or relatively solid medical documentation of the cause of death. Okay, if medical documentation is the cause of death, then it's quite obvious that this could be an undercount. Am I right when I say this? I think it's a it's a reasonable thing to say because, uh, I mean, for example, RT-PCR tests are done using relatively expensive machines that require skilled technicians to operate them. And in fact, prior to the pandemic, there were many districts in India, big chunks of India that did not have a RT-PCR machine, a single machine in the entire district. The antigen tests, on the other hand, the home kits that that many of us have used are much more easier to use, but are also less precise. And in the early days of the pandemic, as well as during the second wave, these tests were very hard to find. We, We had run out of tests many times. And so therefore, it is likely that many people died without being able to get tested or access medical care, and therefore were not counted in the five lakh number. Thanks, Neet. That was useful. Before we go into actual numbers, variation between what the government has put out and uh, what the WHO has put out, let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss more about this. Welcome back. 
So we are discussing the World Health Organization report on excess deaths in COVID specific to India. We have been discussing the system as it stands right now and the variation in number. We'll go a little more detail. Mehir, when we're talking about registered deaths, we have seen an increase in the registered deaths over the years. Overall, number of registered deaths has gone up in 2020 over 2019. So we would have counted the excess deaths, right? Even if we have, even if it is not COVID deaths. Right. So the, the numbers, officially released numbers are that in 2019, the registered number of deaths was 76.4 lakhs and that went up to 81.15 lakhs in 2020. So clearly, we India registered 4.75 lakh additional deaths. Now, remember that 4.7 lakh additional deaths in 2020 is just for 2020, where the government's official COVID number of 5 lakhs is across the two years before 2020 and 2021. So yes, that 4.75 lakh could potentially include a, a fair number of COVID, COVID deaths, but it obviously does not encompass the entire number. It is just, and, and it's also unclear whether it, I mean, we must also keep in mind that because of the COVID wave, some people may have been unable to access medical care when they needed it and may have died of non-COVID causes, which mm -hmm. in the absence of COVID, they could have been saved. For example, the lockdown were not in place or medical services were not overwhelmed. But I mean, the, the government is right. It says that the change in uh, year over year between 2019 and 20 is similar to that in the prior years. In the prior years, also we registered. In 2019, India registered 7 lakh more deaths than in 2018. And in 2018, uh, India registered 5 lakh more deaths than in 2017. So in general, the registrations have been going up. So it's not clear whether the change of 4.75 lakhs refers to an excess death number or it's just a natural improvement in registration that, that we have seen. Okay. So how many excess deaths does the uh, World Health Organization estimate for 2021? And what does the government say in response to that? Right. So 2021 is actually the year where a majority of the World Health Organization's estimate lies. So while it estimates a little over, I think, 8 lakhs, 8.3 lakh excess deaths for 2020, which is when the first wave of COVID occurred in India, for 2021, it estimates 39.1 lakh deaths. So this 39.1 lakh is absolutely missing from the government estimate. Can we say that? Yeah, the government hasn't released any data for 2021. It takes time, as I said, from the yeah. panchayat level to the state level to the central Aggregate. level. For the data to be aggregated, it will take another year very likely. So okay. the 39.1 lakhs, we don't have any basis to see uh, how it compares against the government's official data because that data is not out yet. The other important thing to remember is that the WHO exercise says that out of these 39.1 lakh excess deaths, they estimate 28.2 lakhs to have occurred just in May through July 2021, just in those two or three months during the peak of the second wave. Okay. So we don't have an official death count for 2021 yet. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So these figures are really alarming. And an average year sees 88 to 83 lakhs deaths, but the who is saying that we have 39 lakh excess deaths just in 2021? How did they come up with this? What is their uh, methodology or what is their way of, I mean, you know, coming up with this kind of a number? Right. So I think one, one uh, particular thing we should think about right at the beginning is that the government's data for 2021 will not be available for at least several months more, possibly another year. Their data for 2020 was just released in the first week of May. So you can imagine for 2021, it will probably take that long. So we'll, we are at least 10 to 12 months away from the 2021 data. 
However, organizations like the WHO have a responsibility to the entire world, especially in a time like the pandemic, to take stock of the situation, to use whatever best scientific methods available, whatever data is available to figure out even preliminary estimates of what the impact of the pandemic has been. The pandemic has had a public health impact worldwide. So the WHO is in a position where it cannot wait for individual countries to kind of tabulate all the data and release it. So they have used a modeling method to determine or estimate how many excess deaths, the, the 39 lakh for 2021, as well as the 8 lakh for 2020, are all results of a statistical model that they have constructed. Now, remember this, constructing this model means there are uncertainties in this data. The, government, the WHO is saying that the average number that they are estimating is 47 lakh excess deaths over these two years for India. But the range within which this estimate is, their estimate is anywhere between 33 to 64.8 lakhs is what could have occurred in India. Why this wide band exists is because in the absence of official data, the WHO was only able to access data that was made available in various ways. So CRS data for certain states was available for download through the state websites. Certain states, uh, journalists and others filed uh, RTI requests to obtain the death registration data. And in other places or in, in many cases, the WHO may have also obtained data from surveys that were conducted or reports from journalists that actually went to villages and uh, procured death registers from individual gram panchayats across large districts and computed those deaths and compared those death counts to previous years. And so WHO kind of has piecemeal put together this data and based on it, build a statistical model. And that's true for a big chunk of the world. So the WHO models for Certain countries rely on whole country data when those countries have made the entire country data available to the WHO for its exercise. When such data are not available, the WHO has used the best possible alternative, which is subnational data. So in India's case, they were able to access data from, I think, 15 or 16 states, accounting for more than half, possibly 60% of India's population. So it's not like they're modeling kind of with no data at all. They're modeling on the best available data. And that's fairly uh, large data set because it represents more than half this uh, population, states with more than half the population. But yes, there is a statistical process involved and that has its own methodological issues that we can go into. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a model and which may not be 100% accurate. A lot of people are saying that we should not be taking this too seriously. How true is that or how much, I mean, with how much confidence can we take this uh, number that is put out by the who? I think that's a that's a common misconception among people that modeling is just uh, exercise in randomly generating a computer-based estimate of something. I think one must recognize that modeling is a trusted scientific method that has been used for decades now. And people who do statistical modeling actually understand or invest a lot of time in understanding whether there are any biases in their data sets, whether there are any problems with their data sets and so on. So one, they correct the data sets. Second, they construct the models to kind of replicate an underlying process and test these models to make sure that the models actually perform well for the how, how things work for the past and so on. And the uncertainties and the errors within the model are bounded. So for example, I referred earlier to the 47 lakh being an average estimate and 33 to 65 lakh being kind of the overall estimate of the WHO for deaths in India, excess deaths. The WHO's report says that that 33 to 64.8 lakhs is a range within which very, very likely with a higher than 95% confidence, the number of excess deaths in India lies. So we have that kind of statistical property of the model. 
The other thing to remember is the WHO is not alone in forecasting or in estimating large numbers of deaths for India. About seven or eight other research teams across the world have actually tried to estimate death, excess deaths for various parts of the world. And no, none of these teams has estimated anything less than 28 lakh excess deaths for India uh, for this period. So if there might be legitimate mistakes or criticisms of the WHO model, but because all of these different teams have used different models, different data sets, different ways of preparing the estimate, and none of them kind of come up with below 28 lakhs, there is some level of consensus across researchers on this number. Yeah. So the 5 lakh number is really off the chart when compared to services. Right. That, um, yeah. all the unfortunately, unfortunately, yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing about models is that they are based on unofficial data or partial data. I mean, the reason we have models is because we have a uh, deficiency of data, right? How valid is that criticism? So I think that's somewhat valid because the WHO, again, had to start this exercise during the pandemic. We can't wait for the pandemic to be over and kind of try to do this exercise two or three years down the line because that would be too late and public policy needs information. Even even information with the relatively large kind of potential bands is, is still useful. So I think the WHO couldn't wait for India or many developing countries to kind of compile all this data and produce it. They had to come up with an estimate. So they relied on this data. And now obviously there are some criticisms about it, the data being official and so on, uh, or being unofficial or uh, the data sources not being made available. I think those are legitimate. The WHO could potentially document their methods and data sources better. But I think any government that, uh, and this, this is true not just for India, there are many other governments that have also had this objection. But I think each of these governments can help by speeding up their data collection and release. So the government of India released the data for 2020 in first week of May. So the WHO hopefully will update their estimate based on the official data as well. And I think if the government can release the data for 2021 sooner, we'll have an answer sooner. But just because the answer is not perfect or may have a large you know, error band in it does not mean that the WHO should have just waited for all the countries to put together all the numbers and only then kind of uh, try to produce yeah. an estimate. Yeah, it would lose its salience if they waited that long, right? Exactly, um, yeah. yeah. But what about surveys? I mean, how prone are they to buy? I mean, we all know the surveys are prone to bias. What about the, the WHO survey? So I think, I, I don't, I mean, they have not documented exactly where the data came from. And I think that's a legitimate criticism that the WHO could be more transparent about their data. But based on whatever data they have produced and the, the report and the paper that documents their method, there isn't a clear way uh, that anyone has demonstrated that there is a bias in the survey data that are used. And uh, do they like account for mitigation measures and uh, the vaccination time? Although it's the time, time gap would be different. So to me, at least the way I understand it, because the WHO's model relies on actual data that was collected from the field, the partial CRS data or the survey data and so on, they are unconcerned with what was actually going on in terms of mitigation measures of vaccination because they're observing the phenomenon on the ground. They're observing how many deaths were registered in a particular state or a particular district, whatever data set that they have, and they're extrapolating or modeling based off of that. So if the vaccination drive had an impact, uh, the numbers in that district would have been lower and the WHO's projection would have been lower. So I think it's yeah. unconcerned with what was going on in terms of those measures. So the last uh, allegation or the you know something criticism that is leveled against this report is that it reports lower excess deaths for Western countries and much higher for South Asia and Africa. How valid is that? 
So I think that's partly kind of true and partly politically, uh, potentially there are political considerations. One part of it is that developed countries in the West or Japan or other countries have almost completely digitized or computerized uh, death registration systems. They also have greater numbers of doctors and hospitals and health facilities uh, per hundred or per million of population. So in that sense, they are capable of doing faster registrations and releasing those data faster. So all that the WHO did is wherever whole country data was available, they used that for their model. And for countries like India and many others where data was unavailable at a whole country level, they used the partial country data or partial period data. And so therefore, kind of the report does have different error bands or different accuracy of the estimate for sure. But I think that's not a fair criticism for coming from India. I mean, I think we should say that then the outcome of that should be that India should invest significantly in improving our birth and death registration system uh, rather than pointing fingers at uh, people who do modeling exercises. Because if we had a better system, the modeling exercise could have been done quicker and with greater precision. And it should be noted that even with these kind of Western countries having better registrations, there is almost no country in the West, be it the United States or Canada or the UK or France, Italy, Germany. The WHO has an excess death estimate for each of these countries. And each of these countries has a fairly large uh, absolute number of excess deaths. And I'm not going to go into the details, but the numbers are available. Yeah. Finally, there is one other, you know, counter argument that says that, you know, we, the, the government had uh, announced a compensation plan under the guidance of the Supreme Court of 50,000 rupees per person who die, right? Now, those compensation claims for those, these excess deaths should have shown up in the uh, com- compensation claims. Now, there are, the compensation claims have been very low and therefore the argument is that there could not have been this, these many uh, deaths. So what is happening over there? Could you throw some light on that? Yeah, I think uh, the way I would look at it is that the evidence of absence of these claims is not evidence of absence is not of absence death. of evidence right so so to think about it this is a government of india compensation plan court monitored and under that plan filing a claim for compensation for a covid death in a family requires multiple documents one it requires a death certificate listing covid as the cause of death or a covid positive test report of some kind now as we saw earlier if that were available such deaths would be counted in the government's report for the most part. So that would be that five lakh number. And for everything else where there is a deficient claim, meaning that uh, a family has a death certificate that doesn't list COVID as a cause and so on, they need to, uh, they can still apply for the compensation. But the compensation needs to go through a big hurdle of a grievance redressal committee and all kinds of other things. So many families may be discouraged from essentially filing a claim because they don't have a death certificate or medical report. Especially, I mean, think about it this way, right? In May, June and July, the WHO estimate says about 28 lakh people may have died of COVID, May, June, July of 2021. In a very short period, in a country like India, where 80 lakh people die in a year on average, 28 lakh dying in just a two-month, two, three-month period clearly means that they would have been unable to access uh, healthcare, access uh, testing, access CT scans or whatever could certify their COVID condition, which means that all of these families are essentially not going to, either not going to file a claim or going to be heavily discouraged. The second is that, again, as with all government schemes, the knowledge about uh, availability of compensation 
may be deficient. A lot of people may not know that such compensation is available. And in fact, at least in my observation of the media, whether it's newspapers or radio or television channels, I have not heard, unlike the vaccination scheme or the message to wear masks and sanitize, which were widespread, every single person uh, was reached through various means, the availability of compensation has not been adequately advertised. So I think uh, on the whole, there is not a lot of merit in this argument, primarily because in the absence of marketing and in the presence of requirement of very specific evidence, uh, a lot of claims may not get filed. And that's that's the reason that uh, they may be much lower than the number of excess deaths estimated. Thank you. Thank you, Mehit. Thank you for giving us all this information. And before we go, I'd just like to conclude with the broad uh, broad numbers and broad summary for the whole thing. India has about 80 lakh deaths on an average in non-COVID time. The government of India reports 5 lakh official COVID deaths totally in 2020 and 2021. For 2020, it reported no real increase in deaths over the previous trend. The World Health Organization, on the other hand, estimates 47.4 lakh excess deaths above the normal trend for the same period. Not all of them may be COVID, but it clearly shows the huge impact of COVID on mortality in India. The World Health Organization, the estimates match estimates in other reputed academic studies. The government argues that the who estimates are wrong for a variety of reasons, and these reasons do not appear to stand grounds of reason. For reasons of government accountability, compensation, closure, and to ensure better government performance, we definitely need to measure the data. The only legitimate way for the government of India to respond to this and other estimates would be to provide data to all scientists and have them construct their own estimates. That way, we will have a more measured, a more accurate picture of what has happened so that our future, it, is, it informs our future decisions further. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Mir, for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Suman. And I, I should say before we go that we would like to uh, pay our respects to those who have passed. And we hope that through a variety of ways of uh, attempting to influence the government and this podcast being one and reading and writing um, and hopefully listeners here can kind of demand answers because demanding answers is the legitimate democratic responsibility of us as citizens and giving answers is the responsibility of the government. So having a healthy skepticism for the government's numbers is reasonable and not really a position that should be contested. But with that, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website, takshashila.org.in.